I feel like people are being pandered to right now. No one's being pushed outside of anything they want to do. Yeah, live your truth, whatever. I'm here to offer an alternative opinion. I'm Danielle Elizabeth, and this is my podcast. Aren't podcasts supposed to have cute names and stuff, though? This week, I want to talk about the power of rebellion. We took a week off from posting, well, recording and posting a podcast. We were in Cabo San Lucas, Baja, California, Mexico, Mexico. It was wonderful. We had an amazing, amazing time. I'm sure you guys saw a lot of my Instagram stories and Josh's video that he did, which he straight up killed it. And we're glad to be back. As always, it's not always a drag to come home to New York City. So that's a good thing. Always kind of feels like we're on vacation in a weird way. (laughs) Maybe not vacation, but it feels like we're traveling. Like you can go anywhere in New York City that you want to go. You want to go to Italy? Go to Italy. You want to go to China? Go to China. I mean, because we travel via food anyway, so that's how we travel. Speaking of, we started doing low carb this week, and I did meal prep for the first time in my life. It was only slightly intimidating and terrifying, so kudos to anyone who does meal prep on a regular basis. That was, it was stressful, and yeah, maybe that's why I haven't lost weight yet, it's because... I'm not dedicated to the amount of work that that takes. It's just a lot. But what I like about it is that it's been so easy since then. We ha- I haven't had to think about a meal or cooking or what I'm going to eat. I'm hungry. I open the fridge. There's a prepped meal. I warm it up. That's it. It's amazing. So would recommend 10 out of 10 meal prep to anyone who's on the fence about it. Um, but yeah. We had probably the worst case of jet lag we've ever had. And I don't know if that's like, because we're getting older. It was like four days of jet lag. And we honestly were like, we have a stomach bug or we're sick. And we like started looking up symptoms of jet lag, which I'm not going to tell you what we were dealing with. You can Google it yourself. But literally all of the symptoms of jet lag we were dealing with that Google says are the symptoms. So Dr. Google eased our minds that we didn't have some sort of stomach bug or something. We just, we did not feel right for, what, three or four days after getting back. And so, but we're back. But yeah, I did skip a week last week. We were traveling on the day I usually record. And I thought about just posting it late and doing it late, but I don't really like playing catch up. And I thought, you know, sometimes it's okay to just take a break. I always want to be an advocate for mental health with my listeners and with myself. I need to learn to let myself off the hook sometimes when I can get in a mode of excellence and perfection and pushing and pushing and pushing and forget to take time off to rest. When jet lag or illness knocks you on your butt, you don't really have any energy. You have to rest. Like you don't have a choice. It forces you to slow down and rest. And so That's what happened this week, and we went on a picnic yesterday in the park. That was really nice. So we both feel a lot more rejuvenated, I think, after. (laughs) It's like every time we take a trip, we need a vacation after a vacation. So I actually wrote notes for this podcast, The Power of Rebellion, on the plane on the way back from Cabo. We had, like I said, 
just an incredible time, so much fun. We broke a lot of rules. We got a lot of great shots. We pushed ourselves, I think. And whenever we both push ourselves, like you can see it in our work. And when I say we pushed ourselves, not just mentally, but physically. And I think that that was part of us wanting to start low carb when we got back was like, we want to be able to do our job to the best of our ability. And if we have clients that are doing destination weddings and wanting to have photo shoots in epic locations, we need to be in shape enough to make that happen, which what we did in Cabo was not the hardest thing we've ever done or will ever do physically, but it would be helpful to be in shape in those times for sure. Here's the story. We rented a boat and we were going, like in our minds, we had pictured like a sailboat, private sailboat. Matt and Katie had talked to the excursion people at the front desk and they were like, yeah, this is this is the private boat you guys want to be on. They showed him pictures of this like really cool looking sailboat that we were all kind of pumped to go on. And we get down to the marina and they have our tickets and they paid for us to go. And they're trying to get us on this like big boat, like a ferry sized boat with like a hundred other people. And we're like, well, this doesn't really fit our vision for the photo shoot. Like we wanted like a smaller boat, private. And you guys understand the dilemma with, I mean, I guess we could have taken some nice portraits on a big boat, but what ended up happening was way better anyway. But what was cool was we get down to the marina and typically situations like this, we just kind of default to the bride and whatever she wants. So if Katie was, you know, bummed out but wanted to try again the next day, go back to the hotel, try to get a different boat. But she was already dressed up, her hair and makeup done, and she was determined. So she takes off walking around the marina. And if you've ever been to Cabo, the marina area is huge. And so she just goes off and she's like, I'm going to find us a boat. So, you know, we're thinking that they're going to have to charter a a private boat last minute. It's going to be pricey. And a couple of people that we talked to were like, it's going to be $5,000. And we're like, no, (laughs) just no. Like, we've traveled enough and done enough boat trips to know that that's not what it costs. They're just trying to take advantage of the situation. So Katie finds this guy and he's like, I honestly thought it was a scam. Like, we might not come back. But we found a guy that he said, you want a boat? She said, yes, I just need a boat. And he was showing us places on the map. Like, you want to go here? You want to go by the arch, the rock formations and that? We're like, yes. And we said, can we go on the beach and take photos? And he says, no, but you can get close on this little boat. We're like, okay. So we'll make it work. Not ideal, but we'll make it work. He's like, okay, it's going to be $100 for all four of you. Total. So it was $100 for all four of us, including tequila. And we... Went down to the marina. We found our boat. It was not a fancy boat. It was a little glass bottom boat. I don't know if you've ever been on one of those. They sound fancy, but they're not. You can see it in the pictures and video. It's just kind of a little tiny fishing boat, which is not that big of a deal because you're just in the bay area and there's not super big waves or anything, which he took us around to the side with big waves and I was not a fan. So we get on this boat and he's like, you have to put your life jackets on to leave the harbor. And she... Katie almost refused to put her life jacket on over her her dress. She just kind of stared at these like dingy, gross looking life jackets like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Well, they wouldn't let us out of the harbor if she didn't. We didn't want to get in trouble. So we did put on um, life jackets in that moment. And 
we start getting out towards the rock formation, which isn't super far at all from where you get on the boats. And we get out there and we are doing a few photos on the boat, but it's literally like kind of all the same pose and you can't really fake it that you're not on the water. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but and it's not like a super pretty like yacht style boat or anything. So it's not like you want to get a ton of the boat in the photos. So we were a little bit like, okay, like this is all right. Well, we get close to one of the beaches that the guy said we couldn't go to, or the the guy that sold us the tickets. Our boat captain, Orlando, was a different guy. He was like missing two teeth, like one on top and one on bottom right in the front. And he had the biggest, sweetest smile. And he was just so nice and friendly and spoke very little English, but was just precious. And he did understand enough that whenever we got close to the beach and we kind of looked at each other and I could just tell that Matt and Katie were like, they were down. They were ready to like do whatever we wanted to do. And so I asked Orlando, I said, can we actually get out of the boat on the beach? He looked around and he looked at me and he's like, see. (laughs) And so I'm going, okay. And then I asked it, but then I didn't think about the logistics when I asked it. And then they're like pumped. Matt and Katie are like, yeah, let's do this. So the way that it is in Cabo, the tide can completely come up and cover that beach completely, I think, probably, or for the most part. They call it Land's End, literally. It's the very, very tip of Cabo, of Baja, California. It's the very end. And so you have the Pacific Ocean on one side, and then you have the harbor on the other side. It's probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It's stunning. Um, I recommend that everyone go, but it's also kind of scary. It's also like, okay, you're literally like, it's just rocks out there and you're, we're in this little boat. And so we're like, okay. In my mind, I'm like, oh, he's just going to run the boat up on the beach because they do that in Tulum. Like they, they drive those little speed boats up onto the beach. I didn't think about the fact that it was a glass bottom boat. And he said, I can't do that because it'll break the glass on the bottom of the boat. And I was like, oh, so... What we did was they timed it, or he timed it, Orlando timed it, to where he's like, uno, dos, tres, <laughs> like up on the, and then he would run it up as close to the beach as possible, which was still, you're jumping out of the front of the boat, it's probably a six foot drop down into three to four feet of water. Like, you're, we're still not up on the sand. And so we have the challenge and the waves are coming in. Like the waves are super unpredictable there. They kept telling us, everyone we talked to at the airport, at the resort, everyone was like, do not get in the water on the Pacific side. So we're on the harbor side, but they're just, so, and the waves are still not like super predictable over there either. So there would be every fourth or fifth wave would be a big one that would come up and would like, wash the whole beach. So we were trying to like time it with one of those big waves where we could get the boat closer and we could get out. Well, Matt and Katie go first. And our genius plan was Matt had on like khaki linen pants and a linen white shirt. And we're like, okay, we'll keep your pants dry. I was like, I don't want to sound like a perv for suggesting this, but if you take your pants off, like I can hold on to your pants, like roll them up and put them in the backpack. And then you can put your pants on when you get to the beach if you want to jump out in your underwear. And he had on, like, bo- like dark boxer briefs. It wasn't pornographic at all. It was just <laughs> it was like he was wearing bike shorts. But it was still funny. So he takes off his pants. He's, like, good to go. Like, he just jumps out. 
And this is why we're talking about like being fit and getting more fit. It was like a lot more. Josh and I had to build ourselves up to jumping out for sure. So he jumps out. Katie, in her full wedding dress, she didn't want to take it off because she, I, I should have thought to tell her to put like a white bikini on underneath her wedding dress, which would have literally made so much sense. So she didn't have the proper undergarments on, so she didn't want to take off her wedding dress. So she just hikes it up a little bit over her knees and Matt like carries her. So he's like in waist deep water. She jumps out of the boat into his arms. She doesn't even get a little bit of her dress wet. Like he's the real MVP. It was one of the most romantic things I've ever seen. And like hilarious at the same time. Like we're yelling and screaming and like, yes, like he's running her up to the beach, which was still like a good what? 30 yards that he had to run to get her like off of the out of the boat onto the dry sand. So he's carrying her and then he comes back for gear. So I hand him a, a backpack and it's Josh's turn to jump out. And Josh and I just kind of look at each other and we're like, this is not gonna happen. And Josh is Josh is a little bit of a chicken. And he's sitting here nodding his head as I'm saying that. I asked him if I could say that before I said it. He is worst case scenario guy. He doesn't like to do things like that. I'm the yes person in the relationship for sure. And so Orlando's literally timed it three different times for Josh to jump out. And Josh's legs just aren't working. <laughs> like He's looking down probably six to eight feet of a, of a jump out of the boat to the water, not really fully understanding how deep the water was. And I finally am just like, you're going to have to jump. Like, and I don't remember if I pushed him kind of or like what happened. He got out of the boat fine and he was fine. But it was, yeah, it was like waist deep water when he jumped out. So he jumped out and then we have all the gear and me on the boat. So we left the gear till me. So I'm like, well, I can't jump out with all this gear. So I handed off a backpack to Matt earlier, like I said. And then I, I literally threw one of the cameras at Josh. Josh was a great catch. I knew he would catch it. But he, <laughs> the look in his eye when I threw that camera at him, I didn't ask him. I just did it. <laughs> like, he knew. I was like, okay, you got to catch. And I knew he would catch it. And he did. So threw the cameras out. And then I still have my camera in my hand. And I jump out. And when I hit, I fall. And I'm, like, laying in the water, like, holding the camera up as high as I can. The camera does not get wet. Josh is terrified. He's like, your camera's wet. I'm like, no, it's not. It's fine. So we get up on the beach and literally the best photo shoot of our career unfolds. And the best video that he's ever shot, according to him, and all of that. Just an honestly, just an amazing memory. Like we're on this beach in one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's no one else is there because it's not an accessible beach. I should also say that like it's not accessible on foot. You can't walk there unless you climb over like a mountain of rocks. You can't get over there. And so it was just amazing. And I think that is honestly what started my thought process on the power of rebellion. Like that was not something we were supposed to do. It was something that we were told no several times because the guy that told us no he was not the first guy to tell us no we had asked a couple other people too but and it it just ended up working out better too with the smaller boat and the less fancy boat I mean there's no way anyone was running a sailboat that close to the beach either so I think it was it worked out all in all for the best but it got me thinking about breaking the rules and we could have gotten hurt I'm not going to say it was totally, you know, one of those times where the rules are in place to keep you safe and you break them and it's 
oh, it's fine because those are arbitrary rules. Like, no, I mean, there's probably reasons for the rules, but the risk was worth the reward. Or the reward was worth the risk. There were a couple other times on the trip that, you know, rules were made to be broken, situations happened. Because let's be honest, like, I am a rules breaker by nature. I'm Josh is the rules follower. I'm the rules breaker. Um, but I've made him more of a rules breaker, I think, over the course of our marriage. But his default is to follow all the rules all the time. My default is to do first and then ask questions later. Do first, think later. So that gets me into trouble a lot. I'm not saying that <laughs> it's always good to be this way. But there are times and situations where I think it's preferred to be this way. So the moral of the story is that photo shoot, one of the best of our career, wouldn't have happened if we were rules followers. It wouldn't have happened if we were scared. It wouldn't have happened if we literally didn't jump out of the boat and have faith. That was also kind of a crazy metaphor because we had talked about jumping out of the boat a lot on this podcast. And we literally had to jump out of the boat. And I maintain my theory about Peter jumping out of the boat call it anthropological research or whatever you want to call it. But my theory that Peter didn't just step over the side, a jump was involved. And there's no way even, because that was a small boat. That was probably one of the smaller boats I've ever been on in the open ocean. And I can imagine that, honestly, the boat was bigger than that. And in that small boat, we still had a six to eight foot drop coming off the side of it. So... (laughs) It was always a jump out of the boat scenario. Speaking of being a rules breaker, I bet that everyone that you admire, I mean, like really admire, besides like your parents or whatever, historical figures that you really admire, or maybe even current ones who are still alive, are probably rules breakers. You probably have not thought of that, but if you do think about it, it's true. Most of the people who have gotten famous for something or another broke the rules at one point. Whether infamous or famous, whether good or bad, they broke the rules. For instance, our founding fathers were the biggest rule breakers of them all. Think about it. This country was founded on a rebellion. This country was founded on saying no and putting your foot down and fighting back and not just keeping the status quo because it's what you're supposed to do. Think about all of the great inventors and scientists that we learned about in school. Edison, Einstein, all of the great artists and composers. The one thing that they all have in common is their refusal to maintain the status quo. Their love for breaking the rules. And rebellion is a dirty word. As a Christian, we are taught that to rebel is to sin. And I want to clarify this because I think it's very, it's an important distinction Rebelling against God is sinning, but rebelling against stupid man-made rules is winning. You can quote me on that. I honestly think that this is how spiritual abuse is so rampant in the church today. And we get cults and cult-like organizations, very mainstream ones that you may not realize are (laughs) cult-like, I think are probably cult-like. But I feel like anytime you're in a church or an organization, doesn't even have to be a church or a religious organization, but for the for the sake of this argument, I'm talking about religious organizations. I think that that is a breeding ground for spiritual abuse. Whenever there's a lot of talk of you have a spirit of rebellion, 
or we have spiritual authority over you. I think there's a lot of, that's a very big buzzword that churches and organizations use to control people today is talking about their spiritual authority or their right to speak into your life and things like that. I think that we have to be very careful because I do think that there are people who God has placed in our lives who may not even be a pastor, may just be a friend. There are people who God has put in our lives to speak into our lives for sure. But to say that just because you go to a certain church that someone who happens to be on staff at that church is technically in spiritual authority over you means that they can control your life. And I think that there's a definite distinction and difference there. And I want to point out that Jesus was a rebel. I'm so tired of the Jesus was a care bearer thought process. I'm tired of it because it's so wrong and it's painting such a wrong picture. In order to be a world changer, you have to be a rebel. You cannot maintain the status quo and change the world at the same time. It's impossible. And if someone disagrees with me that Jesus was a rebel, please then tell me why he was murdered. If you can answer that question without him being a rebel against the religious leaders of of the day, he was murdered because he refused to shut his mouth and follow the rules. And that's what they wanted him to do. And I understand that the crucifixion of Christ is multifaceted and necessary in all of those things. However, it's something that I've always found interesting, and especially lately, the things that Jesus preached against were not the things that the modern church is really preaching against. He preached against a religious spirit and the status quo more than anything. And that is why he was hated. Honestly, it's not going to make you popular to be a rebel. We are taught our whole lives to follow the rules because we grow up institutionalized in schools that teach compliance over creativity They teach conformity over courage, and it sets us up to fail. Because life does not fit into a box of rules. Anyone who has achieved greatness in their life on some level has had to break the rules. The problem with this is twofold. Number one, we grow up fearful of some imaginary principles office of life, even as adults, and we live our lives in fear of stepping outside the line. And number two, if we don't learn to break out of this rule-following behavior, we will never, ever hack or unlock the key to an abundant life. I'm talking about breaking the status quo. Here's a question for you. How many of us, myself included, even as adults, crave the approval of our bosses, our parents, our superiors? And in most corporate settings, Following the rules will get you that approval. You have to be willing to let people think badly of you. You have to be willing to upset some people. You have to be willing to risk it all to live a life of adventure and freedom. And I'm not talking about lying, cheating, or stealing your way to the top. Please don't misunderstand me. I feel like my topics of choice are so close to the line 
that I need to point out what is actually over the line so that people don't use this as justification for bad behavior. But I am talking about maybe taking a personal day from work to work on your side hustle. Or maybe, here's an idea, not giving 100% at your current job so you can actually focus on your dream business. I'm talking about literally jumping out of the boat to take once-in-a-lifetime photos on a secluded beach. Guys, we've got to start breaking the rules that we have had put on us by society, by school, by church, by our dead-end jobs, and saying, screw it. I'm done being a goody-two-shoes. It's gotten me nowhere. It's time to shake things up. But some of you listening won't do this. And I think it's important to point out, and I don't mean that you don't want to. I know that you want to do this. I know you want to be a rules breaker. You see the value in it and you're like, yes, she's on to something. But I, I don't think you will. Not everyone listening to this will, will follow this advice. And here's why. The biggest reason is that I think you're either fearful of the unknown or you value other people's opinions too highly or both. Does it give you anxiety to think about breaking the rules? Do you judge other people who break the rules? Or maybe even tattle on them? When your coworker takes a break during the day to make a phone call about her MLM business, do you talk or think badly about her? Or do you respect her hustle and her willingness to put her job on the line for the sake of hustling for her dream of retiring early or staying home with her kids? Which kind of goes back to the Mean Girls thing. Like, are we supporting each other's dreams or are we trying to tear those dreams down? Do you point that out to your boss that Sharon wasn't in the office this week as much as I was because she was taking phone calls about her photography business? She's trying to book photo sessions while she's working. Respect the hustle. Stop judging others for making choices that you should be making. Which most of the time, I think that that's what causes us to pass judgment on others is that their behavior convicts something in us. If you see someone hustling at their dream business and it makes you feel bad about yourself, what is your response? I think what happens is your brain flips a switch that says, I'm better than them because I follow the rules. When in five years, you'll still be working the same job for the same pay, but Sharon's business allowed her to quit her job and stay home with her kids. Why do we pledge our allegiance to someone else's dream? What about our dreams? Stop giving the best of yourself to your dead-end job. If it's not your end game, if that's not the job that you want to have for the rest of your life, you better start making alternate plans. Whether it's hustling to send out resumes for a better job or working on your Etsy business or booking those photo shoots, you better start hustling for that. But you also need to ask yourself, like, why are you pledging your allegiance and the best of yourself to something that is taking from you more than it's giving to you? And in order to do that, you're going to have to break rules. You're going to have to break out of your shell, stop being such a goody two-shoes, realizing that it isn't sinning to break stupid man-made rules. It's not change my mind, argue me on that, send me a message if you disagree. But I also, I want to close and I want to leave you with the fact that everything that our founding fathers had in mind, wrote in the Declaration of Independence, wrote in the Constitution, 
was designed for us to live an abundant life. Certain inalienable rights, and among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They knew that that is what we were created for. We weren't created to maintain the status quo. We weren't created to live under a dictatorship. We were created for freedom and to be free. And in order to get to freedom, you're going to have to rebel. You're going to have to rebel against the status quo. You're going to have to rebel against the things in your life that have gotten you here in the first place. This week, I want you to do one thing for yourself. I want you to try to break the rules more on purpose, not just for the sake of breaking them, but to get you closer to your dream. Remember, no one owns you. You are in a cage of your own making. It's time to bust out. It's time to pave the way. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe by going to Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, or Overcast. New episodes posted every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm slash Danielle Elizabeth Inc. and click on support. This podcast is mixed and mastered by Jaron Nix of Desperado Sound.